0: Axel, thank you so much for being here with me today. I, I'm really excited to interview. You have so many uh, things happening. Uh, and I I, I want to be, you know, I want to get all of that information from you and uh, hopefully introduce some new ideas uh, uh, to our audience. Um, but First of all, I want to uh, start out by saying you are German. You have a slight German accent um, and we'll talk about your background. But uh, I-, I want to start out by saying that <laughs> I hope that's OK.
1: Yeah, Daval. first of all, thank you so much for having me. No, it's a great pleasure. And yes, you recognized recognize correctly. I do have a birth defect, (laughs) that's funny (laughs) (laughs) That I was born in Germany, but I'm not German. Um, I lost my German citizenship uh, when I took over the American citizenship, which I am proud of, and um, the Germans at the time didn't accept dual citizenship, and now they don't want me back, and I probably don't want them
0: back. Well, their loss, right? It's our gain. <laughs> it's great to have you. Um, and uh, so I want to start out by your transition, that uh, your journey from Germany to U.S. And you've told me a little bit about this. You traveled on business and then really fell in love with the culture and the, uh, uh, more importantly, the entertainment industry, right? So tell us a little bit about that transition.
1: Yeah, so We need to go in the time back 1985 was the first time I traveled to the United States. And to give you a little tidbit, um, Germany, like any other European country, is highly regulated, right? It's not as free, not a real Western world as we would see from the United States of America's point of view. So the government at the time told us we cannot have more than two radio stations on FM radio per region because we have not enough bandwidth. And we believed this all the time. And so now I was driving over on Pacific Coast Highway when I came to LA and every quarter inch there was another station and I learned and listened to KISS 102.7 um, at this point in time. Richtig's in the morning show was a very <laughs> popular show at the time. And I said, why is this possible? And why do they tell us this nonsense in, in Germany? So next year I came back and said to the bellman, can you do me a big favor? Can you record me 30 cassette tapes? Here they are, just endlessly, don't interrupt. It's not just about the music. Record me the whole radio station. And he got 30 cassette tapes recorded and I went back home to Germany and listened to KISS 102.7. This became my beacon. So I want to emigrate to the United States, my daily soundbite in the car, and ultimately I ended up on the East Coast, so still no KISS 1 or 2.7, but XM radio came along, I listened over XM, I went to Northern California, no XM, there was still XM radio because, and now I'm living down here since March of this year, and KISS 1 or 2.7 is readily available in my car radio without any other technologies
0: fantastic so that that's such a great beacon, right the beacon you followed for almost forty thirty five years i think thirty five years uh, to go from Germany to uh Southern California to l a just for that one radio station and you <laughs> uh, you followed that uh, that 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 one sort of beacon as you said uh all the way through your uh through your life and through your career that's fantastic yeah. So, Tell me, so you came on the East Coast and then you came to NorCal. Uh, tell me a little bit about what, uh, what drove you to uh, uh, East Coast, what drove you to NorCal? What, what, what were you actually following?
1: So on the East Coast, actually the first city was Nashua, New Hampshire from all places. Oh wow! And I, had a, I was importing American data communication products into Germany, particularly in when the PC revolution started. And one of the suppliers said, so if you really, really want to immigrate to the United States, you can become my VP of sales and marketing, and I file the um, H1B for you. So I packed everything up in 1991. I came on April 15th, tax day, uh, so I can never forget it, (laughs) and um, started living in a barn initially and started working for the company. And we had a very unfortunate event um, in history. Bill Gates stood up from the negotiation table with IBM and said, no more OS2. And we had concentrated all our efforts on PC to IBM connectivity under OS2. So that was the end of it. Um, And um, Lucky, I found an ad in the Boston Globe for a company that I had heard by name of in Germany. And they initially made a contract with my employer to rent me out to see how I was working. And after three months, they came into my office and said, we need to talk to you. And I was saying, oh my God, what's going to happen? Um and then they came out, and this is, by the way, the only napkin deal I ever heard of. They put a napkin in front of me and said, Axel, we are so impressed with what you're doing. We're going to give you 10% of the company. We're going to file the green card for you. And we pay you a base salary. And sign here. <laughs> and um, so then they filed for a new H-1B. I was transferred Um and I started officially working for them, I was employed, and um, then they filed for the green card, I took a green card, and five years after the green card, um, 2001, I took the oath um, as an American citizen.
0: Fantastic. Uh, That's such a great story. And see, this is the American dream, right? This is hard work and uh, you get ahead, you get a percentage of the company and uh, you get a healthy salary to go with it. That's fantastic.
1: Absolutely fantastic. Yes. And then, um, that brought me from Nashua to, um, uh, the Boston area, it's a suburb area. They were out of um, Hopkington, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The name should be very familiar because it was the headquarter of EMC. Yep. And I lived nearby and was, but I spent probably 80, 90% of my time in the airplane, um, pushing the sales channels out and uh, making making the storyline happen.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. So from there, what was your transition like to the West Coast? Uh, There were a couple of
1: more companies on the East Coast in between. Um, Oh, okay. A company that I started with a Russian scientist, and um, we unfortunately got hit by September 11, and that had major impacts on the investment budgets of companies. So and I made a couple of mistakes because you need to make mistakes to actually learn something in life, right? Yeah. So, um, so this company didn't make it. And then somebody else came to me and said, by the way, we heard what you did for the other company. We give you 10% of the company and can you run the sales and marketing for us? And so I did. And that company got sold one and a half years later. Nice. And by a company called ArcSight here out of, um, actually over in the north, out of Cupertino, which ultimately got sold to HP for $1.5 billion. And so I was for two years commuting from Boston um, every week um, to Silicon Valley and worked there. Wow. And um, That's a heck somehow- of a commute. That was a heck of a commute, yes. Uh, lots of miles as well. And um then I got an offer for um working for the Russian venture company as their US head, and we had dual office. So we had office in Boston because they believed that part of the ecosystem is in Boston, which is true, and uh, we had an office in Silicon Valley. So I traveled back and forth, and then unfortunately, the New Cold War occurred between the U.S. and Russia and we closed the Boston office and I volunteered to be permanently in the Silicon Valley office. And that's when I started transitioning from the East Coast um, to the West Coast and got stuck on in Northern California, still not L.A., and <laughs> um, spent there five years. And what I was doing was predominantly helping foreign companies probably about 150 to understand going to market strategy here in the US and business development and uh, push them as well as I overlook many um, investments that we have done. One of the most successful was the semiconductor investment, um, which we ultimately sold to Intel. And I was on the board of directors helping um, steering the ship in the right direction.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. That This is such a, interesting journey and uh, so many different stops and this is I, i feel like this is what most sort of entrepreneurs have to go through where they it's not a straight line from here to success it's you sort of have to bounce back and forth a little bit and you told me about a company that didn't succeed so that that's usually where you've learned the most lessons so next one does succeed and hopefully you get a healthy payout from that um so by this time, you're on the West Coast. I'm just following the story through. Um, at, at what point do you start to sort of investing in other companies, start doing that, you know, angel VC type, uh, uh, type model?
1: So we have two direct funds out of the UK. So we did um, investments. I mentioned one which was called um, Soft Machines. That was a semiconductor play we had invested in Alien Energy, a company that's still active. It's revolutionary technology in the space of solar panels. It's a installation platform for the tilting solutions, including robotic washing. And that gets you 30% more yield out of uh, your solar installation compared to anything else. Wow,
0: okay.
1: But you don't have to drill posts into the ground. They have a concrete bed and the wisdom of the concrete bed is only seen nowadays. Solar is now going to bifocal, uh, uh, bifacial uh, panels
0: mm-hmm. and
1: concrete has a higher reflection factor than green grass or dirt. So now you get in the bifacial panel, more light reflection uh, from the concrete bed um, than normal panels will have. And so that's, I was chairman of the board of that company and then we had another um, solar investment as well. We had also DSV LP investments um, that was in other venture funds. And that was Gold um, capital management and um, two others that right now escaped my mind. No but um, it was a great learning curve um, to watch the funding from the LP side and the thinking of a fund as well as um, being in the direct seat and giving my entrepreneurship into the board to help the CEOs go in the right direction and give my feedback because the board should be a partner of the CEO. Too many startup companies believe that this is an adversary reaction. It is only adversary when you are not doing the correct job. And it may not be your fault. Maybe you are out of the depths And then you should, for your own sake, because you are a major shareholder in the company, step aside and have somebody do it that knows how to do it for your own sake. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, it's the board is called board of advisors is is because they want to be you know they want to help you grow they want to help you succeed so yeah absolutely and and, uh, for just clarity uh, let me just highlight that we're not talking about angel investing at this stage so angel investing is usually very small you know hundred two hundred five hundred thousand dollars we're talking about a VC level investing
1: VC level investing and just to drop a number. We uh, from a Russian venture fund had about 35 million um, into SMI. Yeah, exactly. the total investment was semiconductor is not cheap, mm-hmm. um, and even though that we spend over 150 million dollar to develop a next generation chipset, that is cheap compared to what Intel internally uh, calculates about 500 million dollar for the same task.
0: Right. Right. So right. Um,
1: the numbers are astronomical. It's a high risk game. Uh, that's why Silicon Valley is no longer Silicon Valley; it's Innovation Valley, but there's not much there <laughs> not, not silicon made anymore. Right, and it's quite understandable that you can't have two pieces of deep pockets to actually do this uh, task.
0: Right, right, right. No, absolutely, and and that's uh, that. You uh, entrepreneurs have to sort of understand that scale right? At what scale are you operating? If you're developing software, it could be two guys in a garage that can develop the software. When you start talking about chips, when you start talking about solar installations, at that point, we're not talking about two guys in a garage. We're talking about large investments, companies, you know, uh, uh, especially if you're talking about solar farms and things like that, we're talking about hundreds of acres of land. And, you know, so there's a lot more that goes on. Uh, uh, than, than just, you know, the standard model of two guys in a garage. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, software is the easy, the easy part. Right. Although I have to tell you that in one of my startup companies, they used a quick development tool to make an enterprise class solution that once we had it deployed, um, blew up in our face every <laughs> every midnight when the update from several thousand devices came in and that was not a fun experience and I didn't know, I didn't actually ask deep enough um, initially, otherwise I would have advised, I'm an engineer by trade, I would have advised to have actually a different different route.
0: Right, no, absolutely. And, and it, the, yeah, I mean, to highlight the scale, I, nothing against the two guys in a garage, they actually serve a huge purpose <laughs> in developing that software. It's really just to understand the scale. Uh, of operation. Um, so from that, uh, I know now you're part of Pitch Global and uh, uh, you're doing some very interesting work with them. You're actually now in LA, so Southern California, and you're sort of setting up shop for them. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Pitch Global and what that relationship is like.
1: So in 2016, I went um, to several Pitch Global events with, with uh, Casey Wisdom or Koushev Ke, Chaudhari is the founder <laughs> of Pitch Global and he, you will find him in the KC Wisdom also. Yeah. And um, I volunteered there to become a judge uh, because I had acquired quite a knowledge in particular in going to market strategy. You know, you know my forte is to actually see the fourth level behind the trees. Mm. Too many entrepreneurs concentrate on the individual features. I'm trying to get the bigger picture. What is really the applicability of what this has? Uh, And therefore, I went and volunteered as a judge. And from there on, I became a mentor. And then Casey and I have been doing business together. We did a spin out of a $20 billion Japanese company um, in the healthcare um, tech space and um, so when he learned that i'm moving moving to southern california we used to have once every two or three months an event here at uh, we works here in playa vista or at other locations. And he said, oh, that's great. You can build out completely Southern California. <laughs> and I moved on March 22nd and had prior to this already arrangements for March 29th, as well as April 4th, one at an expert dojo, an event, which all got canceled. We know the reasons why. Yeah. And um, so we have done Pitch Global now virtually in Nokal, mm. But now my new... Um, relationships down here, including Thai Sokal and the um, LA Tribune, we are going to start a regular event once a month here in Sokal, starting out virtually as long as we need to, but then go as quick as we can into the in-person meeting. There is something to be said, which you have probably very much appreciation for. Aura and karma and all the expression of humanness do not come across over in Zoom that well. And yep. um, I can see this better in person and help better in person. So... Um, I hope that we get into person in person soon again.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, to be totally honest, I, I completely agree with you. And sort of zoom is sort of our, uh, fallback option for this show. Ideally we wanted to do it in a studio setting, but that's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is, you know, you have to adapt to uh, what's happening right. in the world. So that's why zoom has sort of become the de facto format for now. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, doing live events, I think, is really interesting. Um, So now you're building out an entire sort of ecosystem around Pitch Global in Southern California. Um, How – if if investors are listening or trying to learn, how how can they connect with you? Um, If entrepreneurs are listening, how can they come pitch with you? Uh, Give us a little bit more information.
1: So – um, in order to reach me on Pitch Global, it's very simple. Axel, which is spelled A-X-E-L, at <laughs> yes. PitchGlobal.com. Yep. And um, there you can send in information so that I can put you on a list and update you. Uh, for the investors, I'm highly interested to hear from you so that we can actually feature you in our events. Investors that go to our events um, are giving commentary, are allowed to give commentary so, um, and ask questions. And they will be, if they like to do so, assigned to two, three companies for after the meeting um, mentor sessions, which is I get to know them in a little bit more detail. And that gives them a great exposure to companies um, that they have not seen. And, um, our event used to also happen regularly in London, but, um, uh, that is currently abandoned. Mm-hmm. And we hope that we pick that up again. But there is also, of course, we will spe- uh, speak later about it in another picture, um, which coming from a fund that I'm building right now. Yes,
0: yes. We'll definitely come, come to that next. Um, how can companies connect with uh, entrepreneurs and startups connect with Pitch Global? Uh, there's a website, uh, if I understand correctly, where they can submit their information, right? Right.
1: On the website, is also a button uh, for a constant event update. And in order to avoid two different schedules, our events are all on Eventbrite. So the button get leads you immediately to the event right where you see every single event that is coming up, and we have we also do partnerships. So we have a company called PitchForce in Northern California, and we are listing their event and selling their tickets there as well. Um, we are also associated with other brands, um, and because Pitch Global Casey says we are the network of networks. So right. we know a lot of people and we have larger events every two to three months, um, which are a mini summit, one day or sometimes two days. And um, there we have interesting topics and interesting speakers that will be um, coming there and talking. We had, for example, the head of the Mahandra Families Fund, mm-hmm. Family Fund that is in San Francisco, was once a keynote speaker on our event.
0: Fantastic. So uh, I'll, I'll make sure I get all of those links and put them in the description below. So if you're driving or something, you don't have to stop right now. Just go look at the description. You'll get everything in one shot. Um, and I know up in NorCal, you said, you know, these network of networks. Um, one of the companies that I'm familiar with is Berkeley, UC Berkeley, and then you, you have a very close relationship with that. Can you just touch on that real quick? I want to sort of understand how that relationship works.
1: They used to call it UC Berkeley Outpost because they had a a big facility in downtown San Francisco. Yep. And the um, complete manager of this department, and they have now renamed into UC Berkeley Berkeley Global. And that's happening at that location. And um, they hosted us in person at the facility And then they have stepped up and said, we would like to host you um, now once a month over Zoom. And that's our Zoom sessions um, that we are having um, every month um, under the combination of UC Berkeley together with Speech Global.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And hopefully you'll have those kinds of relationship in Southern California also. And we can, (laughs) I'd love to be part of that. I'm hoping for that. Pointing that out.
1: The Thai SoCal and the LA Tribune will together with me build a regular event once a month here in SoCal.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. So uh, from that, I wanna touch on the other initiative that you sort of started to talk about, which was uh, uh, the World Summit idea. Um, Tell me a little bit about what that idea is like and uh, um, what you're trying to achieve with that.
1: So I believe first of all, fundamentally, entrepreneurship is the biggest equalizer in the world. And we have, and very often we hear and I can tell you, even on the East Coast, the knowledge and the openness that you experience and that you get actually in NorCal and I experience this now here also in SoCal a little bit, um, is not matched anywhere else in the world. Uh, And there is something that I personally learned coming from Germany over here that opened my eyes to what it takes to have a successful company. And yes, it's entrepreneurship in other countries, but the success rate is not equal to what you can do here in the United States if you find the right people and talk to the right people. So I thought we need to teach what it takes actually to do entrepreneurship correctly. And um, people have the wrong understanding. When they look at an Amazon.com as a Jeff Bezos, envy has set in by now. And nobody knows what it took him sitting in an office by himself, cooking up this Amazon idea and coming to where where it came into play, how it is today. I would like to show how it actually is that a real company operates. So we are creating a venture fund, $65 million for the year one. And the venture fund will call for business plans that we will review and then we will do a tailor-wise accelerator. Think of it, American Idol meets Apprentice. So we will select 20 companies that will compete for a $5 million prize. Of course, the prerequisite is that you need to have product that goes to market. Uh, we cannot go into a development stage because you can only capitalize on the exposure on public TV when you are actually have a product that is ready to go. And then... We will test the two elements that VCs never get right. How good is the team? And how is the product market fit long-term? Yep. So we're going to get the team quality very well tested in the games style environment that we will conduct. And if you remember Apprentice, there were elements of this uh, mm-hmm. present where people fell completely psychologically apart. And, you know, that is a pretty good indicator that they may not handle the stress very well that is coming across for um, what it takes to make a startup company. And then we will crown the winner. And we will also invest, if other people invest into any of our other companies, we will co-invest as well. That's why we raised $65 million at that point in time. The show will be called Unicorn.
0: That's a fantastic
1: name. And um, so, and that's what we are out to do. And we think after years, one success, we go to India, we go to Malaysia, we go to Philippines, GCC, Africa, and start doing this in those areas as well. But I can give one tidbit away. We have teamed up with one service that besides public TV, when we stream it, has simulcast AI supported translation in 67 languages. So you can actually watch this streaming in your own native language.
0: In 67 different native languages, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah. This is our first, this will be the first global experiment um, that uh, will go live uh, once we go live with it. Yes.
0: This is such an amazing initiative. So there are, three major parts, if I understood correctly. Um, first is the venture fund, which is a $65 million venture, dollar venture fund that you'll deploy across 20 companies. Um, uh, so that that's sort of step one. Step two yeah. is the sort of the TV show. Um, we're not sure if it'll be TV or streamed or what, what platform it'll be on, but it, it's a TV show uh, called uh, Unicorn, uh, which sort of documents the journey of these 20 companies Obviously, it yeah. gives them exposure in addition to the capital that you're investing. And third uh, piece of this journey is uh, sort of a worldwide uh, sort of a world tour, if you would. Um, you know, we, the music uh, uh, bands and things like that, they do the world tour uh, to get exposure. But in this uh, case, we're sort of giving the idea of entrepreneurship and the idea of starting a company exposure throughout the globe. So do I have that right? Those three pieces? Yeah.
1: You have the substance absolutely correct. And we hope that we also start ultimately a consulting arm from all the mentors that go through the program that will will help the startup companies while they are live on TV. I hope they join then this consulting arm and we can then reach out in the world and make startup companies a better life for them, right? We don't like to see good ideas to die. And if you look at the very, very bigger picture, I had once the fortunate opportunity to meet the Hopi elder um, in Arizona. And, he, and we need to understand it's a fable, but um, the Hopis believes that God actually separated the people, mankind, into four major groups. He calls them, the Hopi um, elder called them white, black, red, and yellow. And he said, God gave each of them a separate tablet of teachings. And only when all groups come together, will we be able to solve the problems of mankind. Wow. So I have experienced when I had a startup company with a Russian CTO and a Vietnamese programmer and two Chinese and a couple of Americans and me as a German uh, native in there, the idea flow is different. Yes. Cross cultural pollination in technology fields makes leaps over unicultural development. So I hope that this show will become that beacon that brings all these cultures and entrepreneurship together to form the next big breakthrough companies that bring us the good.
0: Yes. That's such a fantastic mission. And uh, you're right that the, the, the mentorship and uh, the consultancy idea uh, is also very important because this is not a small thing. This is a huge vision that you have and you're gonna need a lot of different uh, people, a lot of different specialties to sort of come together right. and help you execute on this vision. Um, it, it's such an such a amazing idea to sort of spread this word of entrepreneurship throughout the globe. Uh, I I really commend that. That, That's a a fantastic idea.
1: And should anybody um, listen to this and is interested in um, coming along, having suggestions, or if any investor, family fund listens to this and wants to talk to us about this, the email address for this is xot.com. Yeah, I have a team there behind. That's <laughs> ourworldsummit.com. Ourworldsummit.com. You know why I couldn't get World Summit? Why? North Korea has uh, the URL for worldsummit.com on pause for 20 years.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay so our world summit but again all of the your email address as well as the website everything will be linked up in the description so uh uh that that that's amazing that uh um, you weren't able to get your first idea but our world summit isn't bad either that that's a fantastic <laughs> idea so uh, that's a fantastic url so <laughs> we'll definitely have that linked uh in the description um So um, I I want to start to sort of end this with one particular question. And you know, the question I'm going to ask that the question I always ask anybody, but before that, I want to sort of just ask you a broader question that when you are uh, looking at uh, finding these 20 companies, what's sort of, what's the idea? What what, uh, I, we, we certainly understand that they have to have market traction. They have to have revenue. uh, They have to have a product uh, that, that, you know, is already with the consumers. Uh, but what do you look for in a team or in the founder? Is there, are there any specific traits that you're focusing on uh, to sort of find the right person, if you would?
1: So I definitely will find the right person through the show at the end and I'll tell you why re- people fell through right, right, during right. the show <laughs> right the now I'm, selection...
0: not, I'm talking about the top 20 i'm not talking about the winner
1: <laughs> yeah no no i understand but getting to the top 20 we will be having the similar problems in the selection process that everybody has what i in the ideal world i would like people that are self-confident but not khaki they are willing to listen they understand that this is a give or take um and how they they are thriving to make success. And I'm not necessarily majorly on market traction yet. I want okay. to have a product ready to go to market at mm. the, at the, at the very least, yeah? Because if I give you exposure on the show, mm. then people are ready to buy something. Yes. And if you are in development stage, then you're at the wrong stage for the show, right? So that's the threshold, but I hope that we get On a plethora of great entrepreneurs, I would like to have an analytics guy in the marketing team. And marketing team is not, or marketing is not advertising, right? Marketing Mm -hmm. goes much deeper. The pre-analysis on what your customers really want, um, how to go to market. There is so much finite exercise. I learned from one of the best. Um, When my company was acquired by ArcSight, their VP of marketing. Boy, was that a hard job to actually work through the effort to get a new product to market, which already competitors existed. How we find selected which features belong into release one. How do we position this tool? Uh, and so on. That made all the difference to a successful rollout in sales at the ultimate day. And that's what I like to see and read a little bit about.
0: Absolutely. That's that's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I wish you all the luck in the world to find uh, really good talent because this is, I, I, I so believe in this idea and this mission that you have that I hope uh, you, you find the right companies to uh, sort of uh, spread that word uh, throughout mm-hmm. the globe. Um, so let, let's end with uh, this, uh, the final question. What is the one thing that if you are looking to make an investment today, what is the one thing that the entrepreneur needs to have for you to actually write that check and to uh, say yes to that entrepreneur?
1: I think a very honest understanding what they are actually doing and what their market opportunity is. Um, in German, there is a proverb that translates into that you are trying to throw scent into somebody's eyes. Most pitchers that I hear talk about from the very top level and say, you know, this and this, like IoT market is an $800 billion market. And then you come <laughs> to find out that they are selling 10 cents service for 100 million uh, devices, which makes gives them about a $10 million market opportunity. Right? <laughs> right. But they're trying to tell you it's an $800 billion market, which it is not. There is a reason why. We don't like to talk about TEM, but we like to talk about SOM, serviceable and obtainable market. That is what I like to... That's an honest understanding. I don't want the ultimate dream world be... I can go to Disney for the dream world, right? (laughs) I want you to demonstrate to me that you know what you're talking about. And yes, I would like to see that you have an idea that you are not a one-trick pony either. Um, So this is probably the biggest biggest um, thing that is for me, the biggest turn off.
0: That's that's such a fantastic story. And I had a friend of mine highlighted this in a way that said, you know, I'm starting a new restaurant. And what's the total addressable market for that restaurant? Well, there are 7 billion people in the world and they all eat three times a day. So that's the total addressable market for my restaurant, right? No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, so it, it, that, that's, I, I think that's such a great point that uh, you have to really understand the total addressable market uh, for your product and for your business. Um, right. so, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and then
1: the other thing people often uh, make as a mistake—they have no idea on how to bring a product to market, right? So, um, <laughs> so you have this product now. How do you bring it to any consumer or to any B two B customer opportunity? Yeah, oh, they're gonna hear about it and then they're gonna buy it. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. This is how it's going to work, no, and. Um, there is where they deserve and can use help. And that's actually figuring the last part out determines pricing, determines marketing strategy. So you see, the biggest marketeer that I actually met, I mentioned him before, said marketing tells sales how to sell the product. Yes. So um, the sales, the VPs of sales role is to basically the holding the whip and crack it every Monday in a roll call to keep the horses going but how And they are going to mind what they tell the customer is being taught by marketing not by sales yep. So, and therefore that needs to be done correctly and if you don't understand this um, then you are at a loss like you are selling a security product but you are talking to the network engineering folks, there is no way that you will make a single sale. But the other thing is, if you have a security product that's installed into the network as an active device, then you need to have networking and security in the same room because the networking guys will ultimately say, we are not going to connect this up to the network.
0: Right.
1: So you need to understand the intricacies of your market. And I love to help on this wherever I have many different verticals that I worked in so far. And... Um, People can find me um, there as well. If you want consulting, I do this also for a living. So um, I'm open for it.
0: And and we'll definitely link up your consulting company in the description below also. So this way, if someone wants to talk to you more in detail about these ideas, about working with you more closely, they can certainly... uh, get a hold of you that way as well. Um, so uh, Axel, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciated your time, your energy, your enthusiasm. I, I, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to sort of working with you more closely in the World Summit idea. And maybe I can find a, a, you know, the two cents that I can contribute in, in that journey. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited for that. And I'm really excited for all of the things that you're working on.
1: Well, it's such a great pleasure to be invited on your show. And I'm looking forward for your feedback to your input. Um, I'm certain you have, you have very good ideas. And <laughs> I'm eager to learn about it and move forward.
0: Fantastic. Great. Thank you so much, Axel. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.